Hello, everyone. We are finishing up our reading of Second Thessalonians in chapter 3. Uh, in this book, Paul is addressing a young church with young believers, as it was mentioned in previous podcasts. And in his writing to them, Paul felt it was really, really important to talk about the Lord's second coming. And he did this in the form of encouragement and correction. Up until this point um, in chapter 3 here, Paul has encouraged the believers He's encouraged them by recognizing their growth in faith in chapter 1 and their increase in love and also encouraging them, pressing them on that in their suffering from persecution, they would continue to experience grace, experience grace and peace from God in order to be accounted worthy of God's kingdom. Then he continued to um, lovingly address or correct this sort of deceiving idea that the day of the Lord had come. So he informed them, or I guess maybe even reminded them, that that there were certain things that had to take place before the Lord came back. After that, Paul went on to encourage them again, and he reminds them that they have been chosen. Saints, we have been chosen. We've been chosen from the beginning by God unto salvation and sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Then progressing into chapter 3, he also reminds them that the Lord is faithful. I hope we all remember this. The Lord is faithful. Our Lord is faithful. And this reminds me of that um, the end of the last letter to the Thessalonians. Almost at the very end of that letter, Paul told us that, once again, our Lord is faithful. The one who called you? He is faithful. He not only called you, but he has begun something in you and he has charged uh, charged you to do something. But guess what? That one, he will do it. He's begun a work. He's charged you to do something, but guess what? He'll do it. And then in verse three of this letter, he is not only the faithful one, but he's also the one who would establish them and he would guard them from the evil one. As young believers... Um, even as spiritual children to Paul, he's protective. He's a father. He wants what's best for them. And he wants them to go on with the Lord and to thrive in their church life. But Paul knows very well that the enemy is relentless. And, you know, if we're in the world, then we're in a dangerous, we are in a dangerous realm. Of course, we're not of this world, but we are certainly in this world. And here, the, the evil one, Satan, the devil, he's always on the attack. First John 5.19 says that the whole world lies in the evil one. And then in 1 Peter 5.8, it says that our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he walks about seeking someone to devour. So Paul, he saw the imminent threat to the Thessalonians, not, not just individually, but also corporately as a church. And then he encouraged them to be comforted because the Lord would establish them, guard them, and keep them. And I believe that if Paul were here today, he would tell us the exact same thing. He would be full of hope, he wouldn't be discouraged, but he would actually encourage us because we have the divine life in us. And that divine life, which we have been born of, it keeps us and guards us from the evil one. As soon as we step out of our spirit and into ourself, We are once again in that dangerous territory. And Satan, the roaring lion, is on the loose, ready to devour you. But our spirit 
Hallelujah for our spirit. That part of us, it has been regenerated and born of God. And actually, God himself is living within us. And the Lord himself living in us always guards us. So that's that's kind of the end of that last encouragement in this, this letter to the Thessalonians. But in this last section of 2 Thessalonians, we have one more correction. Paul corrects some of the saints who were walking disorderly, uh, not by working or by not working. And it's likely, <laughs> given the context of this book, that they decided not to work because they had that misconception that the Lord would be, would be coming back very soon. And it kind of makes sense, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense how someone would think like that. Uh, or maybe it's just me. I, I've thought about what I would do if I knew the Lord was coming back in a year or in a month or in a week. And many times when I'm considering this, I think, man, why would I, why would I work a job? I would just go out, preach the gospel, get crazy for the, for the Lord with the saints, and contact contact all the people I know to tell them about what's coming. And likely some of the Thessalonian believers felt this way too and had chosen not to work, which meant, guess what? They had no money. No money means no food. So what did they do? Um, well, what would you do? What would we do? Well, we would probably go to our family or to the saints or to friends and we would ask if we could eat with them or maybe just have some food from them. And we might even think while we do this that we were noble in not working since the Lord was coming back. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Paul is very practical. And so is the Lord. And so is the church life. Having a disorderly Christian walk doesn't just affect us. It also affects very much the church. Not only does it put a strain on the saints who are working to provide for themselves and then for those who are not working, it, it also just, it's not right. It, it is disorderly. And I mean, Paul, he basically says you shouldn't even invite someone to eat with you who isn't willing to work. This doesn't mean that we don't invite saints who don't currently have a job. This, re- this is referring to people who aren't willing to work for some spiritual or other peculiar reason. It is a human necessity that applies even to the church life. Paul is very practical. I mean, okay, I've graduated now for almost four years. And if I still didn't have a job, and if I was still not looking for one, yet come over to your house for every meal, every day, and maybe even for a little snack a few times a day, something is wrong. Don't let me do that. (laughs) Don't let me do that. Don't let anyone do that. And okay, here's the thing. For many of us, we wouldn't have this thought. We would work, we would take care of our, you know, human necessities. But we might have some other thoughts or ideas that, you know, they're just from another planet. And in general, there is a really good way to be protected from being misled by either someone else's um, thoughts or ideas, or even (laughs) a lot of times it's even just our own ideas. That thing is fellowship. That's the way we can be protected. Fellowship of the body is a protection and a safeguard to all of us. And I can testify personally that fellowship has saved me countless times from odd ideas or interpretations of scriptures that would have caused my Christian life to deviate from the Lord. But this fellowship, 
The fellowship in the body will truly preserve you. It has preserved me and it will continue to preserve us in the church life. To conclude, in the words of Paul in this epistle, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace continually in every way. The Lord be with you all.